Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another DNA podcast. DNA podcast free, in fact. Massive thank you to everyone for all of your lovely comments so far on the podcast. And yeah, yeah, we're on the third one now. And yeah, all seems to be going well, other than my fishing, of course. Bit of an head banger. I'm live from the banks of this monstrous pit that I'm fishing at the moment. And yeah, it's been an Ed banger, a right Ed banger, to be honest. There's there's a carp that swims in here, which I consider as probably one of the best in the land, to be honest. It's a mega, mega carp. And I've been lucky enough to almost find where its home is this year. Or, I say where it's home, what section of the lake it likes spending its most time in. You've basically got a lake here that's 140 acres and you could split it up into two sections pretty much. One side of it's about 60 acres and the other side makes up for its you know 140 acres and it's this smaller side, this 60 acres, that the fish has been seen most in. And I think it's living between two snags that you've got on this lake. You've got one massive set of snags which it was caught from last year and then you've got another set of snags which I found that fish swimming about in and it dropped down on the spot that I was fishing last week and nothing happened. I don't know what went wrong or what. So basically to, to build a picture of the swim there's a snag which is a fallen willow tree which expands out to about 20 yards from the bank and on the bank side of it you've got a 30 foot sort of hill that you can look down on the snag to a hill which i nearly fell down may i add last week which would have bloody killed me to be honest if i'd have fallen down it, it would have been game over and i, I was filming this fish and I got a bit carried away and took one step too far and ended up in a ball of, uh, of uh, stinging nettles. I grabbed hold of the stinging nettles and luckily they saved me and stung me massively. But, but yeah, this, this snag that this fish is living in, basically a lot, a lot of the fish that I've seen in this snag obviously reside back in the very back of it where you can just can't get to them basically. And then... This fish was swimming around at the back and then it broke off out into the snag. It followed the tree out and dipped down off of the tip of it, which was where I was fishing. And then sort of a minute or so later, it would come back up chewing. So it was obviously dropping on the spot, having a mouthful and then coming straight back up again whilst chewing baits. And yeah, nothing happened. I don't know why. I, just, I had a couple of liners off the rod. As you could imagine, I was shitting myself. I was snag fishing. The rod was locked up. And every time I got a single bleep off the rod, I'd get a twitch off of the rod tip. And yeah, in the end, nothing happened. 
and I'm absolutely gutted by it. So I decided to hatch a plan where the other side of this snag, where I think the fish would feed a lot more confidently. You can't fish it due to the fact that there's a mass amount of iron in the water that runs off of this bar alongside this snag. And you're looking down in the clear water and you can just see that, you know, it's savage down there basically. So I decided to get in my dry suit, get in the water and get all this iron out. And it took me the whole day to do it. So I got in there, I got a load of this iron out and I managed to get every bit of it out. I'm quite amazed that I did manage to do that, to be honest. I thought it was gonna be a pain in the arse and there'd be bits I wouldn't be able to get out, which would redeem me not being able to fish this area. But I managed to do it. Along with that, there was a monstrous tree down there as well. A huge tree that I had to get up off of the bottom of the lake. I couldn't get it in the boat. I had to hold on to it to the side of the boat. Sort of boat away and managed to get it next to the bank. I got it up on the bank and yeah, I cut it up into pieces. And it's now residing to the left of a swim that I've re-established. This swim now that I'm fishing is the opposite side of the snag that I was fishing last week. I've had to cut steps into it. I've had, yeah, a nightmare just sort of building the swim and managing to get this rod now in place, which it's now resided in. And I, last week, obviously, had been done over on that spot by this fish because I didn't hook it. You know, I was getting liners off it. It was obviously dropping on the spot and feeding on the spot, but whether it was cautious because it knows it can be fished for on that area, I'm not too sure. It's the only spot that you can fish safely as such, but I've now managed to get a rod in position where, you know, I think that they would feed confident in me because I don't think they've ever been fished for in this area that I'm now fishing due to the fact that all that iron was in the water and it deemed it unsafe. Well, I've now made it safe. I've now got a rod in position and I decided to use a bloody rig that I've never used before. The, I don't know why I've done this to myself, but I did a tackle shop day the other day with Steve Spurgeon and he was telling me about him being done over on a spot where we've all had it, you know, the fish are feeding or they're dropping on the area and you can see it and then they just disappear and all that's left is your hook bait. Well, Steve showed me this rig which was called um, the shot on the hook rig. Some of you might be familiar with it, some of you won't be, but the basics of it is, is you have a split shot on the bend of the hook which counterbalance the weight of the pop-up and then on the eye section of the hook you have a bit of putty there so as the hook sits on the lake bed you've got the eye of the hook sat down right and then the point of the hook is just slightly lifted off of the lake bed in a claw position so when the fish sucks it in you know they get nailed almost instantly and Steve's had, told me he's had some mega rook holds he's had it before where he's been done over he's put that rig out and he's caught straight away and I decided to put that rig on this spot yesterday and yeah I got done over yeah the inevitable the rod tip wrapped round um, I lent into it, the lead had gone, everything fell back slack. I lent into it, I reeled it in, the hook point had bared over, 
and I'd been done over. I'm absolutely wounded, I'm gutted, absolutely gutted. It's been nearly a year now since I've had a bite from this place. And yeah, for that bite to now just avail to nothing, I'm, I'm distraught by it. But you know, it's one of them things and hopefully it wasn't that fish that I got the bite from. To be honest, there was a big common in there yesterday. I didn't see this this other fish in there, you know, the king of the pond as such. There was a common in there and it might have been that fish. I'm trying to convince myself it was a coot. <laughs> you know, all the things that we do, you know, to get over the, the fact that you're wounded from not you know, banking a fish, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm distraught by it, I'm not going to lie, but it's one of them things, you know, Rod's back out there, that was yesterday, I've woke up this morning from an amazing sunrise, I get an amazing sunrise from this swim, and, and yeah, nothing's happened this morning, but I, I'd like to think it's more a daytime sort of, sort of, um, bite times daytime, that's what I'm trying to say anyway, from this swim, so, Hopefully any minute now that rod might wrap round and I might get a second chance at it. But if not, you know, it's it's just one of them things and I'll come back fighting next time round. So, yes, so for the interviewee for this podcast is Jay Mungo. He's the product development manager over at Ridge Monkey. And we chewed the fat on the banks of the famous Wellington Country Park. And I hope you all enjoy this next interview. Right, so I'd like to welcome to the podcast Jay Mungo Carter. It is Carter, isn't it? It's Cater. Cater. Yeah. Oh, is <laughs> that where, is that where the hater comes from? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Is it? Where's the Mungo bit come from? Um, from playing rugby. So oh. I was 16 years old. Um, out with all the boys. I'd played a game earlier in the day. Um, played against a fella called Horse. Right. And if, don't know if you've ever seen Blazing Saddles, but in Blazing Saddles, Mungo knocks out the horse. And one of the older boys had seen the film, put two and two in together and said, well, Mungo's knocked the horse out, so that's his name. And I've pretty much had the nickname Mungo forever. Oh, really? Yeah. Even to the point of my mum and dad were calling me Mungo when I was playing rugby. It's weird. <laughs> How yeah. old was you then? Uh, I was 16 when I got the nickname, yeah. Really? And, yeah. I've, I've even had people, as we furthered on in the rugby, I've had people say to me, like they'll name out the, the uh, team sheet, right? So they'll say, right, Jay Cater at number one, and I've had random people like in the team go, I didn't even know that was your name. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's how it was, yeah. So yeah, that's how Mungo come about, and I've Wicked. always had that really. So, yeah. What come first, fishing or fishing or rugby? Uh, both, pretty much the same time. Right. So um, I moved from Walthamstow when I was a kid, uh, when I was ten. Um, started pretty much at senior school. When I moved to Hornchurch, um, and that senior school had rugby team, um, and I started playing rugby for the school. And then a friend of mine's dad, my friend Will's dad, said, "I'll oh, come and let's go fishing." Um, at roughly around the same time, so right. I started playing rugby at eleven, and pretty much around eleven, I started fishing as well, just fishing for roach and you know perch and stuff. Oh, like right, that. so it's yeah. someone else's dad then. That yeah, yeah, my dad, my dad and my brothers. My brother liked a bit of fishing, but he he was never really took me. Um, but 
my dad never was really into it. So yeah, I used to go fishing with my with my mate Will's dad. Yeah. Wow, because normally it's people's, you know, their dads that family, get them yeah. into fishing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Yeah, my dad was mega support, supportive with rugby. He'd, he'd go to every training session, every, you know, um, game. Yeah. But when it comes to fishing, he had no interest in it. And oh. to be honest, I used to go on the weekend and I used to try and go before rugby and after rugby. So it was always trying to fit it in anyway. Yeah. He used yeah. to drop me off and stuff, but he just never fished himself. Oh wow. Yeah. Well, that that, that uh, do you know what everyone. That that you speak to yeah. they're like oh yeah my dad's got me into yeah. fishing it's yeah. always been that way isn't it's it? funny yeah. he's 72 now and, I, and he keeps going to me when are you taking me fishing <laughs> <laughs> oh so it's the other so way around to take now. him fishing and catch him a fish wicked like, okay, wicked yeah, so so obviously uh, you're with Ridge Bunky. Yeah. Uh, what's your roles over there what, um, what is it that you do at Ridge Bunky? I'm the product development manager so um, I come up with a few ideas, um, develop them as you do. Yeah, so between, it's, it's always a team effort. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, Gareth, and Paul kind of at the, at the beginning, and a guy called Neil. And um, yeah, it just evolved from there, really. And I've always tinkered, I've always cut stuff up and made new bits out of fishing tackle. I've, you know, bought brand new stuff, and before I've even got it home, I'm thinking about to develop it into a better product. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of. I met Paul in France and it evolved from there really. He, he you know, we were talking about doing different bits and pieces and it turned out that this is it, you know, and it worked out that Wicked. making do new bits in there, you know, why don't we make a bivy like with a, with a lithium battery in it? Yeah. You know, instead of having to do AA batteries all the time. Yeah, yeah. I've been using AA batteries forever and yeah. you leave them in your bag and two weeks later they're dead anyway. Yeah, cool. Even if you haven't used it. So yeah, it just evolved from there, just trying to make everything a little bit better. This is mad, isn't it? The people that you meet along the way, I suppose. Yeah. And and now that's become a, a what probably a life dream oh, job absolutely, for yourself yeah. or yeah, absolutely. I mean I had a landscaping company before um, which was doing really well um, never really had any dramas it was always tipping along really well um, and then this opportunity come along and I kind of done both for about two years um, right. so I was you know up early talking to you know the, the manufacturers and stuff and, and then going to work at eight o'clock coming home at four and then back on back on email and back on drawing stuff and wow. developing bits and pieces until 10 11 o'clock at night and eventually it got not too much but i couldn't give a hundred percent to other. both yeah, yeah, yeah. you know both things were clashing so it was three o'clock i'd need to speak to somebody in china or whatever and you can't do that while i'm still laying blocks no so it was <laughs> you know yeah one had to give and obviously i wanted to do this so yeah, yeah Monkey was kind of the, the only avenue to go yeah, wicked. Really, so yeah, you got any secrets to tell? What nope. what's coming out? <laughs> Go on, Jay. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> All the companies are sitting at eager beavers on the side of their chairs at the minute wanting to know. No, we've, no, we've I, got loads of bits and pieces. Um I can't obviously tell you what no, they are. No, of course. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, there's loads of bits and pieces coming out. Cool. Um like we don't really do um, a development stage where we bring them out all in one hit. Yeah. So if, for instance, we've got a bivy light, we'll bring it out when it's ready. Um, if it's not ready, we'll wait another six months until it's ready. We don't push anything forward. We don't bring anything back. When some when something ready for you guys, sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So if we're developing, I don't know, say a, um, a new uh, a new pan, for instance. Yeah. yeah. Um, we'll test it and test it and test it until it's all perfect. Um, even though the schedule might be wrong, so you might not want to really release it in December. You know, we will because that's when we've got the product and that's when it's ready. We don't have a catalogue like a lot of companies. They have a catalogue that comes out sort of every October or yeah, every yeah. February. Yeah. And they just have like a 
mass of products all in one go. Yeah. Um, and that's really what we've been doing since day one. If the product's ready and it's ready to go out, then we put it out. So, yeah, cool. Yeah. So I, I see whilst you guys were out at Zwolle, you've got like quite a fancy sort of bivvy coming out. For, yeah. for but Tell people about that that haven't seen it perhaps. Yeah, yeah. So um, we always do the European stuff. Um, we've been going away. Um, and basically there's another tent out on the market which is in the camping market that's got a fantastic mechanism that basically puts the bivvy up and down mm. um, I've been using it for probably five or six years and it's brilliant in itself but it's made for camping it's made um, for basically in Australia whacking on the top of a on the top of a truck going out into the outback and then putting up next to your truck now it's massively heavy um, the canvas they use on it is it's brilliant, but it's you know terrible for condensation and bits and pieces right, like that. Right. The shape is not quite right, so it's basically we've um, we've developed the frame. Um, we've put twenty thousand head uh, hydrostatic head right. material on it, uh, rip stop. We've just all out luxury basically cool. um, everything about it. I don't expect the guys to be doing an overnighter in it. That's no, not going to no. happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's so. So we've got the same mechanism, but we've tweaked the whole frame. So even down to the way the frame works is changed. It just still slides up and down a bar. So there is a comparison to the two. Yeah. But it's literally just how you put it up and down, yeah, which yeah. is the best thing about it anyway. Um, we've just made it for the cart market basically. Yeah, we've cool. made it more usable for a cart fisherman instead of a camper that doesn't matter where he takes it. You know. Wicked. So have yeah. you got have you got any abroad trips coming up that? Yeah, we've yeah we've got um, we've got a whole year's worth to be honest with you. We've got uh, we're going to do a six part series. Um, oh, cool! Yeah, we're going to do a six part series this year. There's going to be uh, I think we've got nine nine different venues. Wow! For the year, wicked. Um, spread out throughout the year, and these venues are all got all venues that people can just book up. Right. They're not um, they're not like out of this world to get on uh, there's maybe one or two that you might have to you know pull a few strings to get yeah, on but yeah, they're yeah. not out of the reach of anybody um, and then we'll progress and do maybe a different series next year that's open access so you can do or even this year depends what we do yeah, yeah, yeah. we've got some wicked trips this year so how's that going to be so is that, that that's all going to be filmed I yeah. take it and... yeah it's all going to be filmed yeah we've got um, so we don't know the actual cast as such yet but it's going to be me Dave Levy and Dan Hawks yeah. um, plus a few of the other core team they're going to be in it and um, they're only week long sessions um, so we've got uh for instance, I can't say too much, but we've no, got like a, the first one is an absolute epic place to go. Yeah, um, it's one that pretty much everybody wants to go, and everyone wants to have a go of it. Um, and then we're then we're moving on after a week, and we go on to another lake, and that's a two week session done. Oh, sorry, <laughs> my phone's ringing. <laughs> That's the two weeks. Not session. now, Mum. That's <laughs> <laughs> the gaffer going, What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we've got a couple of two week sessions, um, but they're split up into week sessions and Right. Yeah, there's uh, lots of different things going on, different bait companies, different you know, different tackle. We're doing yeah, we to be honest, when we go away we try to abuse our tackle as much as possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of that is why we go away. You know, mm. we go to places like Parco and Euroaqua because we know we, we might get a hundred bites each. Yeah. You know, and you, if you're putting your tackle through that, you know, it can survive anything. Yeah. You know? And that's yeah, kind yeah. of why we do it. Um, it's also good to go to these places because it's fun, and anyone can go there. I mean, the amount of 
people that ask me how do I go to Eurac or how do I go to Parco, how do I go here, how do I go there, it's insane. The amount I must get fifty inboxes a day. I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, just yeah. what's the crack. So we thought, right, you know what? Let's do a video on it. Yeah. Because it's and still get asked questions. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> at least this one I can link them to the video. <laughs> just go to there and have a look. Yeah, but yet still yeah. get questions yeah, after yeah, that. Yeah. I'm it's sure. good though. It's good because it it's, is good. You, know, you relive it every time they ask you. So it's yeah, good. definitely. Yeah, it's good. So let's go. Uh, your trip back at Euroaco was was a trip of a lifetime for all you boys, wasn't it? Yeah, we've had a few. I've had a few good. I've been going there for about five years now, so I've had a few really good ones. Um, the one we filmed in May was out of this world it yeah, was absolutely yeah. brilliant um you know me and dave caught a 70 pounder each and i had a 71 and a 69 within sort of an hour of each other yeah, you know yeah it was really really good um loads and loads of fish so they weren't all massive because euro just hasn't got it's got loads of big fish but it's got tons of small fish yeah so which people don't know people about don't realize do and no. I'll, I'll try and tell them i say look this is, it's a big fish water. Yes, it's got an 100 pounder in it. Yes, it's got a few 90s in it and a few 80s and loads of 70s. But they're small fry when there's 3,000 fish yeah. that are roughly 20 to 25 pound. Yeah. You know, you don't you, you don't see that. Yeah. You know, yeah. like me when me and Paul went there in September a couple of years back, we had 220 fish in a week. Yeah. Which it's absolutely is, yeah, insane. Carnage. It's carnage. And yeah. it's not that fun. I know it sounds fun. No. But it's not that fun. Like, no. And it was brilliant, but we had to change our baiting tactics halfway through. We realised that if we put 20 kilos of boilies in, we'd catch a loads of small ones. If we put 50 kilos of bait in, we'd catch the big, big ones. Big ones, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And you knew when you was you was cleaned out because you'd start catching 25-pounders again. Right. So it's kind of, it's a learning process on every time. Yeah. And then every time you go, it's not always the same. So it's it's, it's fun, but it's hard work at the same time. Yeah. And definitely. you know you can't sleep either. You know, you're fishing all night and you can't, you can't not put your rods back out because there's a hundred pounder swimming around. Yeah, I know. Do you know that? Do you know that, do you know that appeal? Like, <laughs> yeah. that all you want to do is catch a fish and put your rod up against the bivy and go, I'm done. Yeah. Like yeah. the next one, I'm done. But you can't because you, you just know that you've only got to flick it back out, you know, and, and there could be a hundred pounder in the next bite. I know. You know I mean? Which is unreal, isn't it? In this, it uh, is, like, I never crazy. would have thought in this day and age that there no. would be a hundred pounder swimming it's around. It's insane. When I first went there, there was four in there. There was four over a hundred pounds. Unbelievable. Yeah. And I, you know, we all say we always lose a big one, but I actually did lose the fish that was probably, well, it was probably about 103 pounds at the time. Wow. 104 pounds, something like that. It was absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah, I'm sure. And it was only, and I'm not exaggerating, it was three inches from the neck cord. Oh, don't. I'd see it, it popped up, I'd see its width, and then it dropped onto its side so I could see its full flank. And. <sighs> It's just unbelievable. Oh, like, and just as it was about, Paul was just about to land it. He couldn't have stretched any further. He couldn't have done any more. And I just, and I weren't putting any pressure in. The lead had dropped, and I just see the up just go plop, and just plop out. And landed in the landing net. Just went plop no. like that, and the fish just sat there for a while, just readied itself, turned up on its front, and just sort of like, yeah, just waddled off. <laughs> oh, no. like, oh my god! Oh, and I was like, right, I'm definitely getting vengeance on you. And I went back the year after, and I caught a big one, which was eighty six yeah, pounds. Wicked. So I kind of yeah. like that. Eighty six pounds yeah, as well. It's hard to describe to people what uh, it, it, it's weird because 
60s are almost, I, I, I might be putting myself out there here for this, but 60s are the norm when you go to France. Yeah, isn't they? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of 60 pounders about a lot in there. Of them. Yeah. But there's something that, there's something unbelievable about when they tip over that 70 pound mark. Yeah. They just take on a totally different, different. Yeah, it's it's hard to describe to people, isn't yeah, it? Like absolutely, yeah. Like, I've tried. You yeah. catch sixty pounders, and yeah. it's a sixty pound. It's you know, yeah. but when when they're seventy and over, yeah. there's something so colossal. I've about always said them. up to about 55, 60 pound, they still look like carp. Yeah. Like that we all see. Yeah, yeah. And when they go above seventy pound, they're 80 dinosaurs. Pound, they're just <laughs> they're just freaks. Like yeah. you look at them, and you're like. How do you swim? Like, how oh, no, do you? How have I caught it? How have yeah. I landed it? You know, because the width of them alone, like, let alone when you're holding it up, everyone sees that flank view. Yes, of course. But yeah. when you're actually like looking see it down out, on it, it's the, just yeah. like it's like you could put a saddle on it. And, I know and it's unreal. It. I mean, yeah, I'd love to watch something like that in its almost natural environment. You know, yeah. like just yeah. like imagine stalking a seventy pounder from the edge. You know, it's crazy. It, 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 it just just to see a fish like that yeah. feed in the edge, you know, it just, yeah. the, oh, wow. You don't see very many of them swimming around. No. Um, we was at Parco in May, and the water there is like gin, gin, gin clear. clear. Yeah, yeah. And um, we was walking around this back part. We all just turned up. We'd only just got there. And um, up one corner, we see a bit of splashing about. And thought, oh, no, don't be spawning. That's mm. a joke. Mm. So we've walked round, and we've looked down, and there's probably ten of the biggest fish in the lake. Just, just swimming. They wasn't spawning. They were just literally swimming wow. on this margin, um, with another, say, forty or fifty fish behind them um, that were way smaller, like yeah, probably yeah. twenty-five pounders. Yeah. Um, that were that were having a go. They were they were spawning, and yeah, but the big yeah. fish they were just cruising between, not even batting an eyelid. And we all stood there, bearing in mind we was meant to be walking around the lake, picking swims and everything else. Yeah. And I think there was probably fifteen of us all just staring at, at this one bit of water where these 60s, 70s and 80 pounders were swimming and we was like bloody hell this is Unreal. crazy yeah mega it's the biggest fish you ever see in the water yeah, you don't mega. see them at places like Euroacra it's too murky well no of course a lot of black, like rainbow yeah. and you know a lot of them big yeah, exactly. you know fish same, European yeah. waters yeah. Cassine you know yeah. you don't get to see them no. I suppose swimming around no, the edge like right. that no, and what a sight yeah. you know I think there was some footage of some giants in Gigantica I don't know if you see it on the internet yeah I think was, I have, yeah. Like, it's just snap. amazing isn't it yeah just yeah it's Absolutely so mesmerising, yeah. So and to stalk something like that from the edge must be a oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> <Just> <laughs> can't even think of how bad it would be. I oh, know, yeah. incredible. It, so it would be interesting to see how they actually feed. Yeah, because they're so big. Yeah, yeah. And their bodies are different. Their mm. mouths are different. You mm. know, because of the way they feed. Yeah. Um. Uh, sorry, because of the way they how big they are. I'd, I'd like to see whether they. How they would you imagine? How would you imagine a, a an eighty pounder feeding? I've, I think they would. They they're coming in, sort of slower with the tail not so high, like like their bellies are touching the floor, right. like the front of their chest, yeah, yeah. and they're just grazing and they're just picking what there they need go. to pick up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think their tail's up in the air and you know all of their bulk is up vertical. No. I don't think they're like that. No, um, see, I think they're more grazers. See, when we're at Rainbow, a lot a lot of the guys seem to because carp are lazy yeah. and they will go for the easiest meal going. Yeah. You know, I yeah. know how um, weird and wonderful people think carp are and how intelligent yeah. they are in this and yeah. but they'll go for the the easy option and yeah. and what i've seen a lot of guys do that catch a lot of big fish from a place like rainbow is 
is actually fish down the back of a slope of a bar yep. so that the fish doesn't have to it actually right itself. No, 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 it totally just agree. it can it can feed at at yeah. the level it would swim at. Yeah. But then but then my argument is why don't we catch more on zigs then? You know, when you <sighs> fish is that because people don't fish them enough out there or yeah. Is it the fact that I've fished zigs at Rainbow yeah. and I've fished them quite hard. I've never caught fish on a zig at really? Rainbow. Never caught one. Yeah. And I've fished them quite hard because yeah. I've always had that fear in my head. Well, if you're fishing down the back of a bar and you've got your bait or, yeah. or your hook bait yeah. in a place where a fish doesn't have to right itself, then why don't you fish a zig and this, that and the other yeah, off yeah. of a bar so that it doesn't have to right itself then? But I've never had it happen for me. We'll never know. And that's no. the difference. We'll never be able to work it out. No. It's the same as some places in France will never, ever, ever take a surface bait. Yeah. You Which know. is mad. Why? Why? I, yeah. I don't get it. Yeah, um, very strange. Yeah, I've only fished um, two lakes in in abroad where they've taken surface baits. Yeah. Like, And I've fished probably a hundred places yeah abroad, yeah you know and, and probably only two of them that have take surface see now i've had them going off the top at rainbow mm. i've had them going hard but mm. in an area you could never ever fish yeah, but enough. the minute like uh i always use the breadstick you know that yeah. you get round in the mornings and whatnot yeah. i use that to feed these fish and yet you can feed them in the <laughs> heart of the snags but the minute that bread drifts out from yeah. them it won't go near it yeah, won't yeah. go and but they've Maybe never been stupid. fished for <laughs> off the sur- so why won't they go out yeah, to strange. eat that bit of surface like they're happily feeding in yeah. the snags eating bread all out. day long but but the minute you put it in an area you can fish for them yeah. i won't have it yeah it's really weird isn't it? it's really, strange really weird. yeah really strange yeah and, and like I say, I just don't think we'll ever be able to work it out. And good, I don't want to be able to work it out because it would be too easy then, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, I want to be just catch whatever we want. Well, then. that's it. So kind yeah. of, yeah, I like work. I like trying to work things out. Yeah, you know? definitely. It's yeah. like when you go away, like to places that have never seen the same bait. Like I went and fish in Bosnia. Now, what bait do you take to Bosnia? Like, it's not like they're used to the S7 or Cell no, or any other no. bait. Yeah. You know, it's a case of like, well. You've just got to go with what your gut instinct is and yeah. work it out when you're there because, you know, and yeah, it's, I like to be able to work out a challenge, take a bit of this, bit of that and see what happens when you get there. Yeah. You know, I don't worry too much. I don't stress too much. I'm probably the most unorganised person in the world. Anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> just have a box full of bait and different sorts and go, I'll deal with it when I'm there. Yeah. Is yeah, that it's... what you do then? So if you were to go to a place abroad and you didn't really know much about it, do you take a selection of everything? I would or... take a selection of hook baits. Of everything, right? Um, but to be honest, um, I've probably fished with the S7 exclusively um, since I've joined the company. Anywhere uh, in the world, really? Yeah, I've, wow. I've, I've pretty much taken the S7 anywhere. Have um, you? Or I have taken it everywhere. Yeah. Um, and luckily now we're doing shelf life as well, so we. It you can take it even easier. anywhere, anywhere. No. Two, a two, you know, a two-week trip now is not a drama. No. Trying to keep your bait frozen or fresh. Yeah. You know, it's now bang on for two, three, four weeks. Makes yeah. No difference. Which is no. mad, like how how like the the ready-mades have come on nowadays. Yeah. They? I would like, never have used them a few years ago. No, nah, neither would I. Never. Neither would I. And and yet now I said to you earlier on today. Yeah. You know, I don't think I'd ever order a frozen bait yeah. ever again yeah. because the ready-mades are are just mega. That's absolutely spot on. mega. Yeah. Spot on. yeah. I think I, I, I might be right here, but I was obviously ordering bait and stuff, and I remember saying to Jace, um, "I'll go on and give us some of them shelf lifes. I'll take them." And he, he messaged me back saying, "You've already been using them." 
Oh. And I was like, cheeky git. Do you know what I mean? And, and so I didn't, I'd honestly didn't. The boss man stitched yeah, you up there. Then, stitched me up. And I didn't, um, I, I didn't even notice, no, to be honest with you. No. I didn't even notice. No. Um, you know, texture's exactly the same. They smell exactly the same. They, they look exactly the same. Yeah. So, yeah, for me, you know, whenever I go away now, it's the shelf, rate, uh, shelf life. Yeah, yeah, I'm exactly the same, yeah. without a shadow of a doubt. And, yeah. you know, my, my trips abroad now have come so much easier because yeah. of it. Normally, you'd be driving down, panicking, is there going to be freezer space yeah. for the stupid amount of bait that I might yeah. have with me? Yeah. But now, all that worry's out the window because... I think you know shelf life throughout throughout all the companies. You know, uh, uh, has come oh, yeah, on heaps definitely. and bounds. Yeah, yeah, it? it's not just DNA. I mean, there's companies out there now that are that are doing brilliant stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's it's not just us. Um, so yeah, I'm more than happy to take it. And the thing is, when you're taking maybe a hundred kilos, two hundred kilos of boiling with you, yeah, that's a lot of bait to keep cold. Um, and tell me about it. And, <laughs> and to be honest, there's so many different ways you're doing it. You're air drying it. You're uh, vacuum sealing it. Yeah. There's so many different ways of doing it, and all, it's all a palaver. Don't matter how how many ways there is to do it. Yeah. It's yeah. all a pain in the ass, and you just want to. In reality, you just want to leave it in a box. Yeah, yeah. So that's sure. that's unfair. And then I glug them up anyway, so I use loads of liquids in mine. Do you? So if I even had any fault that they wasn't. Um, got the same quality in them is that make sense right i would just um, i always boost mine up with liquids anyway right whether it be hydro wheat or beta stim or yeah, one of them yeah. like i'll always glug my baits have you always used liquid see now i whenever you know in the past i've never boosted my baits or my liquids uh, like use liquids whatsoever since pretty much joining dna yeah and and do you think it's changed your fishing for? Because I know it has for mine. Um, I've kind of always done it, but in a smaller scale. Right. So um, years ago, it was like activate with the activator, and all of my hook baits would be in that. Right. Um, I would also try and like water it down a little bit and pour it over my pellets before I put them in my PVA bags yeah, and yeah. bits like that. So I've kind of always done it, but on a smaller scale, and then. Um, it's finding the right amount because obviously the bottles are small and this was years ago yeah, now yeah. you can buy a litre bottle of, of liquid yeah. and it not break the bank and it not no. be too bad and you can a litre goes a long way you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, so to be honest with you I've always boosted mine because I think to myself well the more flavour I can get into the water the more scent I can get into the water the more chance I've got of a fish swimming past it 20 yards away and going, oh, hold on a minute, I can see a pH difference there. I'm going to go and have a little, have a little right. look at that. And is that the same at home as well as it is abroad yeah, it for you? Really? Yeah, yeah, really? See, that. I'm on the different scale to that because I always seem to sort of think, you know, it, the less smell might be the better well, way I think of that's, going. Well, I think that's what everyone's thinking. Yeah. So yes, I'm trying to, yeah. you know, I speak to everyone, you see them all, they're washing their baits out, which I have done. I've yeah, done it. Yeah. Even when I wash my baits out, so when I was fishing over Fox, I used to wash my baits out and I'd put more S7 liquid, liquid in. in the water. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know why that makes sense, but that's what I would do. Yeah. And it just gives you that little bit of confidence. Yeah, that that's what it boils down to, isn't everything's it? Everything's about confidence. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. There is no rule book in it, so it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. It's what you're confident in. Yeah. And, you know, it makes no difference whether you're right or wrong, basically, yeah. because there is no rules. Yeah, of course. So, talking about... Being at home, we're currently sat on the banks of Wellington Country Park, which, yes. which uh, wow, I mean, this yeah, place, place yeah. yeah, is is almost like being abroad in itself. So, <laughs> yeah. so uh, chat to me about uh, for people that don't know what Wellington Country Park's about. What 
Um, there's probably not many people that don't know about. No, I know, Park, but, but yes, um, 35 acres, I think. Um, it's got loads of little um, hidden sort of. There's a little lake. There's a there's a spit at the back that you can't get to unless you walk miles. And yeah, and the fishing here are unbelievable. Mm. Um, it's been documented on loads of different videos and DVDs and YouTube and stuff like that. But um, yeah, the stock in here at the moment, I think there's 10 fish over 50 pounds. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. There's only there's, I think there's between 70 and 80 fish in here, so it's not actually like overstocked. There's no. not loads of them in here, but the majority of them in here are massive. Yeah. Um, and you do like if I'm driving abroad and I'm driving down the M20 to go to the tunnel, I'm getting all excited because I'm going fishing for massive carp abroad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get the same driving around the M25 coming here. Yeah, of um, course. I've, this is only my first year, and you know I've only done this will be my ninth night, um, so I haven't done a lot of time no. at all. But I've now got from now till the end of June. Yeah. Um, to go at to it. To crack on, yeah. Yeah, yeah. To give it a good go. What? What? What do you think makes them so big in it? You know, what, what, why are they so big in here? To be honest with you, I think it's bait. Um, really? Yeah. But I, then a lot of lakes see bait. Though, yeah, but they? I think you have to have the right. I think the. So I go back to say when I fished the Essex Manor. Mm. Um, Yanni was always a big fish, but the backup fish, bear in mind this was like probably 20 years ago. So I was maybe 19 yeah. um, ish. And the fish were big for the time but yeah. not stupidly big yeah yeah but everyone would put the same amount of bait in so you go around for a weekend two or three nights you put two or three kilos in you know and at the time that was a decent amount of bait mm. then and the annie was sitting at around 44 45 pound everywhere else, all the other backup fish were maybe 35 right so she was 10 pound above everyone else pretty yeah, much yeah yeah and then uh, a few of the lads um i think they were from nash at the time um, join the lake yeah. they absolutely filled it in mm. and I'm talking wheelbarrow filled yes lake. I've heard of this proper yes I've heard in. of this we've gone from yeah we, we, you go from like 3 kilos a weekend to these blokes are putting in 10, 15, 20 kilos um, each a weekend right the fish just went massive did they, they? literally went from 35 pounders to 45 pounders and the Annie was nearly 60 pound wow and don't get me wrong it wasn't always Nash Nash for a couple of years did and the Annie go that big yeah really? the Annie was 59 she went to 59.12 or something like that it no was very close to 60 yeah yeah, before she went. Cool. Wow, I never knew she got yeah. that big. And that was, uh, you know, there was no other change in anything apart from bait. Really? You know, the farm around it was the same, so the crops were all the same. Like, yeah. You know, your difference, but but not enough to say, oh, you know, that pesticide has stopped going in the water now, so it's better or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was it was all about bait. And put, the more people put, put in, the bigger them fish got. And it kind of went the opposite, because when they stopped putting in, the fish started dropping weight again. Did they? Yeah. Really? Yeah. And that for real, if you look at the history of Welly, I mean, I don't know too much about the history, but what I do know is that it was always a big fish water and everyone put a lot of bait in. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that for me, if you've got a fish that feeds and it's and it's got enough anglers putting in mm. 10, 15 kilos a weekend yeah. or for a two-night session, they're putting in big amounts of boiling, that's, that's being conservative to be honest I mean yeah, I've heard yeah. of way more bait going in yeah, from one or two yeah. people um, and if you've got fish that are eating it they're going to get big simple as that and boilies yeah. make them big you know especially you find lakes that are boily lakes they, they just get big don't they, they do don't they I mean yeah. there's I've fished a lot of sort of moody waters and this that and the other and you can go in with bits and bobs 
but you never get them big ones unless no. you're using boilies, do you? Nope, not at all. So, so would you say boilies has, has always been your go-to thing for most of your angling? Yeah. Would you say? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because of the big ones? Um, just because of how easy it is. Yeah. Um, because I know they like them, and you get big fish from them. Yeah, yeah. Um, so to me, I would always go in with boilies. Um, uh, for the last couple of years, I've been crushing my baits. Right. Um, so I have found that where you would normally get one bite, so on a kilo of boilies, you get one bite. Yeah, yeah. Um, by putting a kilo of crushed baits out and a few halves and, a, and then a few whole boilies, yeah, yeah. Um, you might get two or three bites. And I think that's down to the fish loving the boilie. They love, it doesn't matter how big it is or small it is or what shape it is, yeah. they still get the goodness from that bait. Yeah. They still want to come back to it. And with crush baits, they've got way more chance to come back. It's like particle fishing, but with boilies. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. my boilie fishing is still boilie fishing, but I'm kind of doing both. Yeah. Like I'm particle fishing and boilie fishing at the same time. Right. So I get that feeding uh, scenario as, as particles um, where they're coming back. They're trying to get every little bit out of stones and silt and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I'm doing it with boilie. Yeah, um, yeah. It means I just, and I put the liquids on it when it's crushed. And for me, that's perfect. Yeah. So I get that whole the whole scenario in one go. Do you find certain rigs are better over the top of crushed stuff than than others? Um, or? Yes and no. I mean, like I say, there's no rules to it. And I've had I've had I fished the multi rig pretty much exclusively. Um, I have started flitting around with a Ronnie rig, but hmm. I have uh, pretty much fished the the, the multi rig um, exclusively for probably about ten years. Right. Um, Popped up. No. I take it. All oh, different. on the bottom. Yeah, all different. Right. So I fished it in every scenario. So I fished it two inches up. I fished it as low as it possibly can so like pretty much at the eye of the hook yeah um and i fished it wafter style and i fished it butterflies so i'll have a bottom bait and a pop-up cut in half and fished it butterfly back to back yeah um that's pretty much my go-to bottom bait rig that's how i would fish uh when fishing for big ones anything or yeah, yeah, for yeah, 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 yeah 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 um i just try to be different really yeah um and i know it doesn't sound different but People say, oh, I used butterfly rigs years ago. Yeah, you did, but you, not many people are actually doing it. No. They just no. say that well, it's, like, it. it's like the double bait rigs nowadays. Yeah. No one's using double boilies no. anymore, are no. they? And yet you're seeing it now in the European, yeah. you know, it, it's coming back. There, there was a point where people started using free baits, yeah. weren't there, yeah. uh, in the Europeans, and this yeah. and the other. But the double baits yeah. sort of dwindled out a little bit, didn't it? But now yeah. it's all sort of gently coming back, isn't yeah. it? And even if I was fishing with double baits i'd probably put um a gap in between the baits so right although it, like you, your standard snowman rig for mm, instance if mm. i was fishing two bottom baits um i'd still probably leave 10 mil in between each bait do you so it's, a, it's gonna look like a really long hair yeah, yeah. Um, i put a couple of knots in the hair to, to to trap the boilie yeah or you could go like old school and put a bit of spaghetti in between them and all that so yeah i just tie a couple of knots in the in the in the hair yeah itself and that grips the bottom boilie yeah, and then yeah. the top boilie why do you think that makes a difference it probably what? doesn't it's just confidence. no yeah it's just for them, me it, it looks like you've got two separate boilies on the bottom yeah and you know whether they can see it that clearly or whether they can feel it or whether it acts differently in the mouth it's i, I might be wrong i might be right who knows it's, it's just about confidence yeah yeah you know you could 
fish anything. Look at the rainbow rig, fishing the bollocks rig. Yeah, right? yeah. It's completely different. Yeah, I, used to, yeah, I actually totally. fished the bollock rig probably 15 years ago. Um, but it cast like an absolute yeah, bitch. Yeah, it's not the one And I casting. used it two or three times and went, no, I ain't doing that anymore. Yeah. Now you go to Europe and people are smashing it because it's in a boat. And it's yeah, perfect. definitely. And it works. It really does work. Yeah. It's I not know. something you see in the winter, is it, a double bait? No. I think no. everyone tries to go as small as possible. Small and bright and this, yeah. that and the other. Trying to nick a bite, aren't they? But, yeah, but, yeah. Then, but then wouldn't you nick a bite off a double bait more than you would a single bait? Who knows? It's one it's of them, isn't it? Thing, isn't it? Yeah. If someone to t- actually have the might be onto something to do here, it. Jay. You know what I mean? You have yeah, the bollocks I'm, to do yeah. it. <laughs> I'm, I'm not doing it out here. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go and test it on a runs. But right. then they're big enough out here to be picking double baits. Of course, up, though, yeah. They? If if you had if the fish are coming over your spot, you're gonna. And this is this is another thing as well. I think if the fish are on your spot, I don't really think it matters what you've got on. No, um, you can catch them on tinfoil. Well, I've them said on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you, I really don't think it matters whether you've got a yellow boilie, a pink boilie, a white boilie, or, or a brown one. Mm. If they want to eat it, they'll eat it. Yeah. Um, more so for bait fishing. If you've got bait on a spot, I, th- I, I yeah. do think you can catch them off of yeah. anything. Yeah. Oh, they're so gorged within the spot. Yeah, they don't make a difference. There's tin cans on the floor, you know. Oh, I've got a bullet. Mm. Left hander. Oh, bleep. <laughs> Come on, the wetly whacker. Come on, the coat. <laughs> Come on, the coat. Yeah, it probably is a coat. <laughs> yeah, it is, yeah. I put two spuds out and they're already on it. Five, six foot deep and crystal clear, like yeah. two spuds, that was enough. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, talking about welly at the minute, it. it you know, and boilies and this, that, and the other. Has maggots been tried on here? You they're know, the... oh, are they? Yeah, otherwise I'd have. Oh, they're banned on here, are yeah, they? Banned, yeah. Right. Yeah, and to be honest with you, the members are really good. Like there isn't any like dodgy ones. That are, no, you know, there isn't anyone catching ten fish them. in the winter because they're using maggots. Yeah, or nothing like yeah, that. So yeah. It's pretty decent. Um, either that or all just grasses, and we just grass you mate up for you. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know which one that is yet, but, <laughs> but yeah, no, no one's caught me using maggots yet. I mean, I've not used maggots. I've been boiling, I've been boiling. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, really? Well, yeah, I think they do really well. I think they did really well. I think they got banned for a reason. Yeah, um, well, I think people that's were just normally the majority. Yeah, people. Yeah. Take I don't, I don't the think it was just a, yeah. I don't think it was just a reason. I think it was there was too much of it going in. Yeah. Um, and obviously the fish, you know, they, they don't do very well when there's tons of them. No, you know? no. Especially it's only when there's a few fish. You know, it means if there's only seventy fish and you've put in all of that bait, that's only seventy fish to eat that bait. Yeah, so yeah, I've yeah, got three thousand yeah. fish or fifteen hundred fish. Of course, because yeah, they're yeah. only having a little bit of every bit yeah. of the bait. Yeah. But when you've only got a you know, when you've only got a few fish, then yeah. they're all going to eat that bait. Which so. I think will surprise a lot of people uh, probably listening to this because I I think a lot of people think that Wellington Country Park is a runs water for biggins. Am I, am I right in saying I that? If you if you were to look on the media side absolutely. of it from yeah. it, it I've, is a runs water for biggins. But that, yeah. that, that is not the case. No, it's not, is no, it? Definitely not now. I mean, years ago... Um, which is all you really hear about about Welly is the years ago. Yeah, you know, yeah. Oh yeah, you know, five years ago or ten years ago we did this and we did that, and you know there was probably maybe I don't know maybe another thirty fish in here, forty fish in here. Yeah, and the fish were a bit more naive and there was loads of weeds so they could fish yeah, you know, yeah. a bit more safer. It's still and... not a lot of fish though. No, is no, it? no, no. It's no. still not a lot of fish. No. Like the, you had the the Welly whacker in carp talk every yeah. week. And there was a giant out of yeah. there every single yeah. week, wasn't there? Even through the winter. Well, that's the thing because it, you know because it's got so many biggins in it, 
and it's a busy like, like yeah. you know, it's a busy syndicate. It's not like it's only got a few people on it. No, you know, it's pretty much you know at the moment we've got three people on. It's uh, is it Tuesday? Yeah, it's a Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's there's three people and on it's in the middle of Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, so it's yeah. like you know. <laughs> You know, most places don't see an angler. No. You know, so no. you can imagine how busy this is through the summer. Um, and yeah, you know, it does do a big one every single week. Yeah. And when Carp Talk was around and things like that, they it would obviously want to go in there, you know. Yeah, yeah. Nowadays, you don't really hear about it. I mean, even when I joined, it was a bit like, well, what's in here? Yeah. And I was really shocked to I hear don't, yeah, that I there don't. was only, I think, 83 fish. We've had a yeah. few, few lost this year, but... I mean, even if there were 75 in here now, like, that really shocked me. I yeah, honestly thought same. they could triple that. Yeah, same. You know? Same. I mean, it's not like it didn't deter me from joining. No. But it definitely was like, oh, I always thought there was way more than yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I think a lot of people do, yeah. like, portray the place yeah. as being, well, you know, there's so many big ones in there, you're yeah. going to catch them no matter where you chuck no. them. But and, and if you look at this lake, um, you've got basically one big bowl um, with a few islands dotted around, You've got two areas that are kind of like hidden out, cut out of sight, like yeah, cut outs, yeah. 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 Um, they're like arms, you yeah, call them. Yeah. Um, and then there's actually a, a bit that we call the little lake, yeah. which is probably about six acres, mm. um, with a little um, sort of cut through that they can yeah, get in and out yeah. of. Um, with a bridge it's a big 35 acres, isn't it? Is it? A big it is a big Because I was yeah. surprised when, because I've walked my kids around here many years ago, we come down yeah. for the family day out yeah. sort of thing. And I, I remember thinking, this place is a monster. You yeah. know, it took us ages it to walk. Ages People to walk pay around. to walk round it yeah. because it takes ages exactly. to walk round. It is. Uh, I, I think my mate Naked was saying that it's about two and a half miles or something, or two miles round. Is it round. really? Something yeah. like that. Which I can believe, to yeah, be fair. Yeah, because it's just like in our... Well, when you went to walk around earlier to take some photos, you can't get through there. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you think <laughs> you could just walk end. around it, and it's just like dead ends everywhere. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's a weird place. Yeah. Um, but it's a lovely place, you know, nice smooth ground all the way around. You can walk around, you know, everything's nice and safe. And, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's a lovely place to be. It's nice and quiet. Um... It's just yeah, it's just a nice place to be, and you know you're fishing for massive fish. Yeah. So you do get that buzz every time you come, and like I was saying about fishing abroad, you wouldn't even think about not getting your rods out if you had a bite in the night. No. No matter how hard it is, no matter how wet it is, or raining or windy, you'd be thinking, well, I'm definitely getting my rods yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's and that's well, why people put the effort in. Ten fifty pounders swimming around in front of us, you know, yeah. which which I can't think of any lake in England that's got that. No, the, no, no, I can't. Not really. Re- I don't even think home. Fens probably on that part. Is it? Don't Am know. I right in saying that? I wouldn't actually know, mate. I don't know. You know? I don't know what's in there. But I don't think there's 1050s in there. Surely not. Don't know. Probably not. No. Probably not. No. Well, the mad thing is there was 2050s in here. I know. <laughs> that's the other. That's the other <laughs> mental thing about yeah, it. Yeah. Is there used to be 20 of them? Yeah. Wow. And, and the mad thing is when I first joined, everyone said, "Oh, it's a massive fish kill on on Welly." I said, "Oh my god," you know. And I said to him, well, you know, what did you lose? Because I honestly thought that there were so many fish in here, because what you see on the media, yeah, yeah. I thought, well, oh, you know, they've lost half the stock. And he yeah. said, oh, yeah, we've lost 11 fish. You're right. Or was it 12 fish? Yeah. Maybe 12 fish. And um, But nine of them were 50s. Mm. <laughs> but they're old. They're old yeah, fish. They're yeah. donkey's years. Well, that is, that is you know, th- yeah. the thing of it, you know, people ju- like to jump on the bandwagon and think, all oh, right, they've all wiped out, they're all gone, yeah. and this, that, and the other. But, you know, it gets to that point in their lives where, unfortunately, they yeah. do have to die. And a lot yeah. of the times that is, 
you know, that a lot of them go together because they're yeah. of the same age group, aren't Absolutely, they? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, they're all the same stocking as far as I'm aware. Like I say, I don't know too much of the history, um, but I know that they're kind of, the ones that are going were all the same age, the yeah, same sort of strain yeah. and, you know, everything yeah. else. So, yeah, they're, they're going to go, you know. It's just mm. one of them things. Mm. you just got to take your opportunities and yeah, go for sure. For so what, what's, the, what's the biggest swimming around in here in the minute? Uh, it's just done a 60. Has it? Yeah. 60 pounds? Yeah, Wow. Crazy. And that fish has come through the ranks, like, you know, known biggie. Yeah. And uh, just keeps putting weight on, yeah. Crazy, yeah. crazy. Mad. Excellent. Well, that is probably a good time to end this cool. on a 60-pounder, no of course. Yeah, Let's good. open the morning. Oh, yeah. That one's on the end, eh? <laughs> Shall we? Yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> Jay, thank you for being on the podcast. Likewise. Nice one. Best of luck to you, mate. Time, mate. Cheers. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that interview there with Mungo and yeah, a little insight into what he does obviously at Ridge Monkey and his own angling and yeah, going abroad and catching all them giants or losing that giant, losing an 103 pounder by the net, not the one. Oh, I feel his pain, I do. Obviously not with 103 pounder of course, but I have lost monsters near the net and it never gets easier, does it, whenever you lose a carp? They all hurt. I think they hurt more each, you know, each time it happens, if that's possible. Oh, I've felt suicidal after losing carp. I know I have. Not the one. And, yeah, I'm back home now after what was a disastrous session. Disastrous, there's a new one. And, yeah, I had a nightmare. Basically, the fish... After I'd lost that one yesterday, it just disappeared. They just weren't there. So no matter how much work you do in a swim, sometimes, you know, you just got to get up and move. Because if they're not there, you ain't going to catch them, especially on a big lake like that. So I ended up going out in the boat and the wind, uh, we had an easterly wind. So I went out and that uh, round to my left hand side, there's a big bay that this easterly wind was pumping into. So I basically just drifted the boat in there without the engine on just to see if there was any carp about and just as I got right onto the wind like you know the back end of the bay where the wind was lapping up against the bank a massive carp swam up to the boat and then see me and then obviously shit itself and swam off so I thought that'd do me so I got out of there packed down got back uh, went back into that that bay got set up and then fell in the lake. And I mean, I went head first. I've never fallen out of a boat before. I don't know what happened. I basically blinked. And next minute, I'm underwater. I'd, I'd hit the bank and just didn't realise how quick I was going. I went head first in. Oh, man. And it was just as it was getting dark as well. So it was right on sort of dusk. And I was freezing. I'm not going to lie. I didn't have a spare... Well, I have got a spare set of clothes, but they're in the van, which was miles away. So there was no way I was boating back to the van in sopping wet clothes. I had to strip off naked. If anyone would have come out or if anyone would have seen it, you'd have absolutely pissed yourself. It was hilarious. To be honest, I was chuckling away to myself of how funny it was. But I weren't chuckling away when I was naked in my bed, freezing cold last night. But, you know, it's just one of them, another thing that that, that lake has thrown at me. But on the plus side, I I managed to find my echo sounder wire. I basically, I've got, 
I haven't had any echo sounder for the last three weeks because I've lost this wire. It's the red wire that you plug onto the battery, which had like a fuse box thing on it and another wire hanging off of it. And yeah, I'd lost it about three weeks ago and I've cleared everything out trying to find this bloody wire. And I couldn't find it. I found it in the margins today. As I boated back, it was underwater. So yeah, I've had a bit of a result really because now I'm getting the echo sounder back. I could have bought obviously a new wire, but I didn't know what this little box thing was that was attached to the wire. I didn't have a clue. I know nothing about electrics whatsoever. So I didn't know what I was asking for if I went to buy a new one. And I just thought I'd find that one. But man, I've emptied my lock up. I've emptied the van looking for it. And yeah, I ended up finding it in submerged in the margins at the lake. So I'm well happy I've got that back because I've now got my echo sounder back. But anyway, that's another podcast done. I'll stop waffling now. Hopefully you all enjoyed this one and I'll catch you up on the next one.